Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Nice. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. we never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Yeah. Phone plan, streams, and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Welcome to Harvest Christian Center. I'm Dr. Foreman, and you're getting ready to hear an incredible message from God's Word. If this message speaks to you in a supernatural way like we believe it will, be sure to let us know at our website, harvestcc.me. If you're led to sow into the ministry of Harvest Christian Center, you can do so as well by visiting our website. Get ready to prepare your heart, mind, and spirit to receive this incredible Word that God has for you today. Remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's go into the message already in progress. Everybody's standing. Are y'all ready for the word of God today? I'm so excited. Uh, I want to tell you, you notice the pulpit is not up here, and uh, today's going to be totally different uh, from the way I normally present the word. So if it's your first time online or your first time here at the Royal Campus, uh, you know, the great thing about Harvest is you just got to catch this on a different series because you never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates. So one Sunday, you might get hands laid on you, and you might get set free. The next Sunday, it might be a therapy session. So we're going to do, do something totally different today. We are, uh, again, we welcome those at every campus. We are beginning a brand-new series today called Seven, and uh, I'm really excited about it. This month marks seven years uh, since God from nothing, from nothing, from absolutely nothing, and uh, uh, began harvest, and we're excited about that. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. Here it is. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the Word. I'm a doer of the Word. This Word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message that I'm about to receive. Before you take your seat, go to 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. It's what we're going to be looking at today, and it will kind of be a theme throughout this entire series. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 12. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. Just look on the screen. If you can't see the screen, uh, look on your neighbors. If your neighbor don't have a Bible, uh, just shake your head like you know what we're reading. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. Look at this. Then Samuel, say the man of God. He was the prophet Samuel. He took a stone and set it up between Mitzpah and Shin. Uh, uh, he, he literally, those two words means watchtower and place of the spirit. He said he set it up uh, between Mitzpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer. Say Ebenezer. Ebenezer. Which literally means thus far, or old King James says, hitherto. Has the Lord helped us? I'm I'm, I'm, going to read it again. Then Samuel took a stone. Say, Bishop, what's the purpose of the stone? 
so that they would remember. He, he said, set a stone. He, he said, I want you to remember uh, that the only reason you've made it this far is because I helped you. It wasn't your education. It wasn't who you knew at the company. It wasn't because you grew up in a certain part of town. It, it, it was not because of any of those things. God says, I want you to set a stone. Watch, watch this, chapter 7. I want you to set a stone seven years. That the only reason you've made it this far is because I helped you. I, I dare you to just look at somebody next to you and tell them, say, the only reason you've made it this far is because the Lord himself helped you. I mean, how do you think that that car accident didn't kill you? How do you think you didn't lose your mind once you lost your job? How do you think that you didn't go crazy after that person walked out on you? Because the Lord himself has helped us. Speak in this house today, Lord. Today, Father, I pray that shackles would be loosened off of your people. We learned last week, Father, as we concluded the series that the anointing oil would break the yoke, it'd break the connection. So today, Father, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice that looks back over their life with regret, Father, I pray that you'd lift that off of them today. And they'd realize they're standing here today because you have helped them. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody just shout hallelujah. I said shout it. Some of y'all ain't shouted. I said shout it. Do me a favor. You're going to talk to that neighbor at least 17 more times a day. So if you don't like them, switch seats so you can get somebody you like to. Look at them and say, if you want to know something, ask a question. You can be seated today. And I'm going to sit down too. So this is different. This is totally different for me uh, because I, um, I normally like standing and like preaching and all that kind of thing. So, so we're going to have a good time today. We're going to have a good time today. Uh, a totally different approach to the way I want to present the teaching today. And I want to say this as we get started. I was actually invited uh, several weeks ago to go to China uh, for a ministry trip. And, uh, but I declined that trip uh, because I wanted to be here with you to celebrate our anniversary this month. Do you know what today is? It's our anniversary. It's actually not today. It's the 20th. But, but uh, I would have been gone uh, half the month had I, had I chosen to, to go on that trip to China and minister there. And I chose not to do that because I wanted to be here. All this month, uh, we're going to be celebrating seven years since we started from scratch. We had no support. We had no benefactor. We had, we had no organization helping us. And in seven years, we've seen God do incredible things. We've seen literally over 1,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ through something we've done. We've literally seen lives change, thousands upon thousands of testimonies, people that connect with us through the Internet, people that have come into the Royal Campus. So many ways we've seen God do some incredible things and uh, say that's good. That's good. That's good. I, I, I am in ministry because I like to change lives. Uh, somebody says, Bishop, what is your job? Are you a bishop? No, I'm a life changer. And, uh, and we've seen God do some incredible things. Uh, but I want to say this. It has not been easy by any means. Uh, and while I have absolutely no regrets, there are things that when I look back over the last seven years since I, we planted Harvest, they call it a parachute plant because it literally it's like you just 
get, jump off a plane, off a parachute, and you just land, and then you got to build something. And that's essentially the equivalency of what happened. Uh, but as I look back over these last seven years, and as I am approaching 16 years uh, in the month of October since I've been in ministry in a senior leadership role, there are things that when I look back, I said, I would have done those things differently. Life is about decisions. Decisions decide your future. A lot of times people in the church like to say things like, well, everything happens for a reason. And that's true because you did it. Everything that happens is not necessarily God's ordination for it to happen. Uh, let me prove it to you. Um, and, and I've given you this analogy before. When you came into the building today, you came into the campus today, how many people locked your doors? How many people locked your doors? Uh-huh. Now, listen, if, if, if it's God's will for somebody to break in and take your stuff, then does it matter that you locked your doors? If it's God's will for nobody to take your stuff, why lock your doors? Why did you even lock your house door last night? You see the point I'm making? Everything that happens is not because of God. Now, what God can do, Romans 8, 28, he can take everything that we do and he can make it work together for us. But it doesn't mean that what's happening, he did. Yeah, it's, it's real quiet. It's real, 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 real quiet right through in here. Uh, life is about decisions. And, and we like to attribute everything that happens in our life to God's doing. But the truth is, if you're going to succeed in life, you have to be able to take self-assessments uh, to determine things that you could have done better or looked at differently. This message was actually, in this whole format, was inspired by a leadership uh, seminar that I showed to my leaders uh, by a pastor, uh, Dr. Uh, Mike Murdoch, some time ago. And I want to start with giving you some statistics because m most of you, you see Sunday morning ministry, right? You see, not going to worry, shouting at harvest. Our mission is to totally, you, you see all of that. You see all that, and you get excited. You do the harvest hugs. You get that. But, but there is so much more that makes ministry happen that you never see. And the truth is, if you knew, you would say, how in the world does he, they, it, them, how do they do it? I want to give you some statistics. Can I give you some statistics? Now, these are from several. Y'all ain't going to say that to me? Can y'all not hear me? Maybe they can't hear me. Say, man, you turn me up. They can't hear me. Um. um uh, I know this is different. Told your neighbor, said, we know it's different. Now, I'm going to shout you still. Now, I'm going to shout you. You're going to shout. Uh, but but I, I want you to really hear the essence of this. Listen to this. Over 1,700 pastors left the ministry every month last year. 1,700. There's about 325,000 and three, 325 to 350,000 churches in the nation. And uh, 4,000 new churches open every year while 7,000 churches close every year. The profession of pastor is near the bottom of the most respected professions just above used car salesmen. 66% mm -hmm. of church members expect a pastor and their family to live a higher moral standard than themselves. You, you've heard people say that, and he's supposed to be a preacher. You're supposed to be a Christian. And you know, here it is, watch this. And you know what's funny? You don't expect your hairdresser, ladies, to have nice hair. Matter of fact, have you looked at your hairdresser's hair? Just because a person does hair doesn't mean their hair looks well. Just because someone practices medicine doesn't mean that they're healthy. Just because someone's a mechanic doesn't mean that their car doesn't break down. But yet in the world of church, people think, well, they're supposed to be perfect. They're supposed to be this. They're supposed to be this. Well, you're supposed to be all of that too. Mm. 
listen to this. It's, it's going to get gooder and gooder. <laughs> How they say it in the South. Listen to this. 50% of pastors feel so discouraged, 50%, that they would quit, but they have no other way of making a living. Half of America's pulpits are filled with people who said, if I could find something else to do, I'd do it because I'm discouraged. Listen to this. 50% of pastors that start out won't last more than five years. One out of every 10 pastors will actually retire as a pastor in some form. You miss it. In some form. 70% of pastors constantly fight depression. 40% of pastors report a serious conflict with a member every month. Mm -hmm. Because the neighbor say, are you the one? <laughs> if they didn't say nothing, mm -hmm, so yeah. <laughs> Listen to this. 75% of pastors report significant stress-related crises at least once in their ministry. Doctors, lawyers, and pastors have the most problems with drug abuse, alcoholism, and suicide. Notice all three of these jobs are about helping people. So it seems like the, the more you do to help people, the more people do to hurt you. 85% of pastors said their greatest problem is that they are sick and tired of dealing with problem people. And 90% of pastors said the hardest thing about ministry is dealing with uncooperative people. Now, Bishop, why are you telling us all these statistics? You trying to tell us something? Yes. <laughs> Don't start nothing. <laughs> it's my hope that, uh, that through my transparency today that you will learn and that you will grow. Experience is not the best teacher. Whoever said that's a liar. Uh, someone else's experience is the best teacher. Because it costs you less. People sometimes, one of the reasons that you should be a reader is that what people put in their books costs them a lifetime to figure out and you can get for 15 bucks. So today it's my hope that, that, that you will grow and that you will learn and that through my transparency and my honesty today that, um, that you, can, you can make some transformation in your own life. So seven years, I figured I'd tell you seven things that I would do differently. Seven things I'd do differently. Here's the first thing. I wouldn't be so ticklish. Now, I know you're probably thinking, where's he going with that? Um, when you tickle someone, you're doing it in order to get a response or a reaction from them. What's the point? I made insignificant people significant by subconsciously responding publicly to ignorant and uninformed criticisms by people whose baseless opinions were of no value. I would hear and see and observe and then say, well, it doesn't matter, and then get in the pulpit and subconsciously respond to the ignorance and foolishness that people done. You, anybody else, you ever done that where, where you said, I don't care nothing about that, but then you're talking to somebody else and you're saying, well, you know how people do it, and you're saying all this. You, you were ticklish. They, they said that to get a response out of you. And you didn't even realize you were giving them what they wanted because the truth of the matter is anybody trying to pull you down is already underneath you anyhow. 
And so I made insignificant people significant because, oh, I, I, it's all kind of crazy and stupid stuff. And I, and I would subconsciously respond to that stuff as if I owed them an explanation. See, when you don't pay for nothing for me, I don't owe you no kind of explanation about nothing. God is my source. He was my source last year. He was my source in 2006 when we started. He's going to be my source next year. And I don't owe you nothing. And I, well, Bishop, we the members. I don't owe you nothing. Because if you knew the price I had to pay. But I subconsciously responded. I didn't intend to respond. I subconsciously responded. Because the truth is this, y'all. Mo most people don't understand and misunderstand the job of a pastor. It's the hardest job in the world if you're not called by God. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy if they're not called. Now, let me be clear for those of you who try to read into things. I'm not at all complaining, nor am I discouraged. Quite the contrary. I'm very encouraged. I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's a fact. Hear me, y'all. It's a fact that people will lie on you. That's a fact. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. If there's nobody making up stuff about you, you must not be important. You must not be gifted. It's a fact that people will lie on you. I know it hurts, but they're going to do it. It's a fact that when they can't lie on you, they'll just make up stuff about you. See, when people can't figure you out, they'll just make up stuff. So when they look at you and say, hmm, I don't know what this is. You know what? I think it's because of this, this, this. They'll just make up stuff about you. It's a fact that people will criticize everything you do or don't do. When you're a pastor, this is the reality. People are going to lie. People are going to make up stuff about you. People will criticize everything you do, everything you don't do. Well, why are he sitting down today? And why, why are you doing this? And why are you doing this? And I want, hmm. And what, I'm, you get your hair cut. They got a problem with that. You get some extensions. They got a problem with that. You wear some sandals. Well, why are they trying to show their feet? You don't wear no sandals. They must be ashamed of their feet. And the majority of that foolishness requires no response. Can I help you with something? Just look at the fruit of the lives of people that are throwing rocks and hiding their hands, and enough's been said. Just look at their fruit. Just look at their fruit. Because people throw rocks and hide their hands. Just look at their fruit. Just say, well, I, I see why your life's like that. Bible says, Proverbs 26, 2, there's not a curse without a cause. There's not an empowerment to fail unless something initiated that empowerment to fail. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I wouldn't be so ticklish. I'd just sit there and just say, okay. All right. Oh, really? That's what they're saying. I ain't heard that one yet. I wouldn't be ticklish. Second thing. Y'all all right? I would have listened to Jesus' words more carefully. Flip to Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 real quick. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. We're on number two. We got seven to go. But I think you're going to get really helped today. Because life's about decisions. If you decide better, you can live better. Matthew 10, verse 16. You got it? Now, this is really more of a, of a leadership principle, but, but there's some things that you can apply to your life. But Jesus is speaking uh, to the apostles. He's getting ready to send them out. The word apostle literally means one that is sent. And Jesus is getting ready to send them out. And look at what he tells them. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. 
listen, the, the, the people were the sheep and the, the leaders were supposed to be the shepherds. But Jesus said, but I'm sending you amongst them. And, and watch this. And he says, you need to know that they're wolves. So listen to how he says how to deal with it. He says, therefore, be wise as a serpent and harmless as doves. Now check this out. Look at this. When he says be wise as a serpent, the word serpent in scripture doesn't mean snake. It doesn't mean viper. It means deceiver. He said, think like a liar. Okay, okay. He was saying, listen, you're getting ready to deal with some ravenous animals. Everything that has on sheep's clothing might not be a sheep. So Jesus said, I'm warning you up front. See, I would have taken his words more seriously. He said, I'm warning you up front. Look at them like they're ravenous animals who just want to consume and eat and take. Now, this is really a leadership principle, but there's some stuff that you can learn. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. It's a fact that people will suck you dry for encouragement, assistance, counsel, prayer, guidance. And then once they've finished consuming the carcass, treat you like yesterday's trash. But Jesus already warned us up front. He said, I'm telling you, just think like a deceiver and consider the people around you wolves until they prove themselves otherwise. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, Bishop, Bishop, that, that's a very, that's a very uh, cynical way to look at life. Can you not read? Now, this is really a leadership principle because he was speaking to leaders, but there's things that you can learn. I would have listened to Jesus' words more carefully because there's certain things that when I look back over the last seven years, I said, you know, the truth of the matter is, is, is wow, I didn't really. Can we have an honesty moment? You ever got played and didn't know you were getting played? Until you're like a couple years on the other side of that thing, you're like, what? If I had known then what I know now, I wouldn't have wasted one more moment with that assassinator. I wouldn't have wasted one more moment with that joker. I would have listened to Jesus. I'm thinking everybody's sheep. And they were ravenous. Lions and tigers and bears and cougars and... Number three, number three, we're just talking, just talking. Number three, I would have quit the rescue rangers. Number three, I would have quit the rescue rangers. Y'all remember that cartoon? Chip-chip-chip-chip-and-dales, come on. Rescue rangers, chip-chip-chip-chip-and-dales, rescue rangers. Take it up. Let's go. Rescue rain. Y'all know y'all remember that content. You was looking at it on YouTube last night. Don't be sitting up in church acting like that. Listen, listen. Here's me. Here's me. I've been this way. I've been this way my whole life. When I make a commitment to care for 
and love someone in any capacity, I really mean it. I got 20 bucks. Anybody want 20 bucks? Who want it? Y'all ain't got no faith because you already been told. But, 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 no, no, no. I was playing. So like, but, uh, what, what's this? Um, uh, I got 20 bucks. Anybody want 20 bucks? Yeah. Some of y'all are like, nah. I mean, you ain't got to do nothing for it. What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? <laughs> I could do more graphic stuff, but I don't want to gross you out. I got 20 bucks. Anybody want it? Yeah. Now, it's been stuff. I've been walking through the mud and the rain and the sunshine and the breakers dashing and all that. You still want it. You know why? Because even though it's in its worst state, it still has the same value. That's how Jesus loves us. And as a man of God, when I make a decision to care about somebody and to love somebody, at your worst, I'm still, you still $20. You still, when you, when you feel in the worst and you at the worst of your day and the worst of your life, that's how Jesus views us. And that's how I view anybody, anybody that I make a commitment to love and a commitment to care about. And every man of God. I was talking and having lunch the other day with a ministry veteran, Dr. Marilyn Hickey. She's been in ministry for 54 years. Her and Jesus used to preach together. I mean, she's been in ministry. No, I mean, she's been in ministry a long time. You know, 54 years? And we were talking about something totally, totally different. And she said, she said, Bishop, she said, you know, you just have those people that you'll pour your guts into. And then they'll just walk away from you like it meant nothing. She, she threw it out there as we weren't even talking about that. And the truth is, every man of God, I don't care who you are, will have people walk away from them, no matter how well you treat people. Even God himself had to experience this. Listen, Judas and John had the same pastor. They had the same spiritual father, same apostle, same prophet, same man of God. But check this out. They didn't all understand the value of who they had. So while Judas and John had the same, only John was able to discern the value of Jesus. While Judas, while he may have discerned that value, he thought that that value could be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Bishop, what are you trying to say? Is that after all of what Jesus did for these men, after all of that, you know, because Judas gets a bad rap, he betrays the Lord. He, he should get a bad rap, right? But Peter, we don't talk about Peter. Peter should get a bad rap too. Peter denied the Lord. I don't know that man. Like Peter, we have your DNA, and we got photo evidence, and then we got a text that you had sent. <laughs> I, I did not know that man. I've never seen that man before. Three times he denied Jesus. We don't talk often about Peter. But then even think about Thomas. When Jesus resurrects and he comes and spends some time, he spends 40 days with, with the disciples and the apostles. He, or the apostles, rather. Uh, Thomas is like, I don't believe it's him. Let me see the hole. No, y'all could have photoshopped that. Let me, <laughs> let me touch it. Let me see. <laughs> Here's the point. After all Jesus did for all of those men for three and a half years, he changed their life. 
They were all found doing their father's trade, which means that the rabbis of the day had rejected them. And when the rabbis would reject you as a Hebrew, everybody, every Hebrew boy, when they were in yeshiva, which was a Hebrew school, they wanted to grow up and they didn't want to be basketball players. They weren't talking about, I want to be Kobe. I want to be LeBron. They know they were saying, I want to be Rabbi Shmuley. And they would even dress like their rabbis. That's why today, if you look at Orthodox Jews and, and you see the, the younger men that are coming up and they have the curly, cu- curly cues and the hats and these kinds of things, because they're wanna, they want to be just like their spiritual leaders, which is a very biblical principle, 1 Corinthians 4.15. But here's the whole point, though. In all of that, uh, after all Jesus did for these men and after he changed their life and after he uh, uh, revolutionized them, all of those men left. He was really only left with one guy, John. And while Jesus is on the cross, he says, listen, I only got one guy. He said, listen, so he looks at Mary, his mother, and he says, listen, woman, behold, your son. He tells John, take care of my mama. He's like, no, don't let nobody know. I left some money in the, uh, in the couch. I left my ATM code over there. Take care of my mama. I got to go somewhere for a little bit. Take care of my mama. Here's the point I'm making. Literally, when I look back over seven years uh, since we began and 16 years in senior leadership and ministry, I literally can add up cumulative weeks, months, and years that were seemingly wasted investments in people. That's what my humanity looks at. But then the divinity that is in me, that is greater than it that is in the world, says literally I was sowing seed for future investments and return. But here's the deal. And that's good. Amen. That's good. But listen, as a human being, for, for people to treat you like that, oh, God, I couldn't imagine how Jesus felt. I'm so, I thank God I'm not God. Oh, I just kill everybody. Oh, no, I really would. I just say, you know what? Judgment. Close my eyes. Uh, give it them all. Thank God I'm not on the throne. <laughs> give it them all. Here's the point, though. I'm being facetious. Here's the point is that I tried to help and rescue too many people. I tried to rescue too many people. And sometimes the, the truth of the matter is you have to be like a waterfall. Bishop, what do you mean a waterfall? When you're too close to the source of the water, you don't get wet by it anymore. Sometimes you have to be pushed away so that you can get, you, you're missing it. It comes up and it goes over. So sometimes things that are too close in proximity to it lose their ability to recognize the sensitivity to what's being poured on them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I was Bishop Saver somebody. Come to the rescue. I can't tell you how many court cases I didn't sat out for folk that I knew was guilty of sin. But because I wanted to be different. See, in ministry, one of the things God told me to do when he, when, he, when, he, when he told me, he said, I want you to be everything you never had. And I said, well, shoot, I never even had a, a pastor that cared a, uh, a hoot. So I said, I'm going to care. And then I quickly found out why pastors stopped caring. <laughs> I said, that's why they don't like nobody at church. I said, I get it. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that's where I'm at. I'm just making a point. I can't tell you how many interventions I've had to try to save people from themselves, how many hours I spent trying to uh, change lives and how many hours I spent trying to talk sense into people that didn't want to have sense talked into them. I would have quit the rescue rangers. I would have quit the rescue rangers. It's real quiet in here. Because people will forget that you walk with them, that you loved them, 
that you didn't judge them, that you held them when they cried, that you helped them get past that loved one's passing. And the truth of the matter is, is when people just treat you like everything you did means like nothing, the truth is that stuff hurts. Do I have any witnesses? I don't, five of y'all, that's really, wow. Y'all ain't never been through nothing then. Truth is, is I've always invested in people. I've been built that way. I can remember back to elementary school. I was invested in people. Had, had, had little, 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 little guys and, and little girls. I've had an assistant since the kindergarten. People think, oh, he acting brand new. No, I've been like that all. I've been like that all. since kindergarten. I had an assistant. She had my notepad. Yes, sir. What are we going to do? Where are we getting ready to go? And I always had a protege. I always had a protege because I was always paying it for because I was always investing. Because you're not a success unless you have successors. So I always made sure as an Elijah that I had an Elisha. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But, but the truth is, is that uh, I've been like that all my life. But the truth is, is it didn't start hurting. Uh, can I be honest? It, it didn't start hurting me until, uh, until I became a pastor. And until I became a pastor to pastor, you know, people move on, things happen in life, that kind of thing uh, throughout life, you, you deal with that. But when I became a pastor, there, and, and then a pastor to pastors as a bishop, uh, I said, my goodness, this hurts. And it's a stinging pain because they'll treat you like they never knew you. I mean, they'll look at you like, can, can, can I tell you a story? Can I tell you a story? Just real. I remember one time, uh, I hadn't paid so much rent. I probably need to did the first bank of foreman. I mean, one time, one time I, I, I helped a guy out. I, I helped him out. And he was getting ready to get evicted. And uh, I said, son, what are you going to do? He said, well, I don't know. He said, we'll probably go live with her crazy mama. <laughs> I said, okay, listen, 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 listen. Um, you, you know, you, you got a lot of things going on. I, I'm just going to help you out. I'm going to help you out because... Because you sounded like you setting yourself up for a mess. See, rescue rangers. I should have said, well, you know, let just, you know, get us some Prozac or something. She, she, you know, just go in there prayed up. Just go in there prayed up. But I, but I had the ability to save and to help, so I figured I'd do that. And later on, later on, now business is business now, so, you, you know, you're going to pay me back now. But, uh, uh, but later on, he looked me in my face, and I said, what, what, it was a whole discussion, and he said, well, I didn't ask you to do that. I said, you, you better help him, Lord. I'm going to hurt him. You think Medea's something else. God, no, I'm, I'm going to hurt him. And you know you've done that, too. And if you've not, something's wrong with you. But as your pastor... Uh, I want you to know this, that every action, every single action I have ever taken has been out of love. Every warning or word of wisdom I've given to someone to help them and guide them in life has always been out of love. Every message I've ever preached has always been out of love. Everything I've ever done, the motive of it has always been out of love. But in hindsight, I would have quit the rescue rangers and said, you got to figure that one out on your own in hindsight. Y'all all right? Okay. You, you sure? Number four. We're almost through. I wouldn't have left anything unsaid that needed to be said. 
I wouldn't have left anything unsaid that needed to be said. Uh, a pastor friend of mine, their, 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 their father recently uh, passed away. And um, it was a very poignant and profound thing for me when we were talking and I was counseling through it and helping them through it. It was very interesting uh, because they said, well, Bishop, I didn't leave anything unsaid. Um, but they said that the last thing he had said to them was very, very cruel, very, very mean. And uh, it, it made me have a moment of reflection, not, uh, not, not, not of anything where cruel things were said or anything like that, but it made me say, Sometimes when you're sitting and assuming and you're sitting and you're holding grudges and you're doing all of that, you're not realizing that your days are counting down. And at the end of the day, life, Job 14, 5 says that our days are already been determined and God's already appointed our limits that we can't pass, which means we're really not counting up. In all reality, we're counting down. The, the problem with that equation is that you and I don't know when the stop clock ends. You don't know. You just don't know. And so for this pastor, their father, he, he was in and out of the hospital, so it was a routine thing. So they didn't even expect, they didn't even expect, um, they didn't even call the pastor to let them know that, that he was in, in, uh, in the hospital because it was a routine thing. And, um, and they didn't even know. And so the first call the pastor got was he's gone. And the pastor said, I didn't leave anything unsaid. But they said, I wonder if that's the last thing he wanted to really have me to remember about him. Here's the point I'm making to you, uh, is that there are things that sometimes don't need to be said. But sometimes there are things that absolutely need to be said. And there's no sense in us leaving them unsaid. And listen, it can be small things like telling somebody, good job. What are you going to lose by doing that? Sometimes if the most people remember about you is, is your criticisms of them or what they've done, that's sometimes that's the only thing they've got. And it's not like you never were encouraging and building and that kind of thing, but, but sometimes it can be something small. Sometimes it can be you saying, I appreciate you. Amen. And as a leader, I make it a point to do these things often, but one of the things that I've resolved to do in myself is to do it more, is to do it more. And so for the last couple of weeks, I've been on this quest of not leaving anything unsaid. I didn't set up all kind of meetings and said, I need to tell you this and that and the other. And I need to, and I need you to know that when you said this, this is what I perceived about what you meant. And is that what you meant? Because <laughs> this whole time I've made a conclusion about what I thought you meant. And so there's no sense in me walking around with assumptions. Just tell me what you meant when you said that. Tell me what you meant when you did that. You follow what I'm saying? Don't leave things unsaid that need to be said. There's nothing wrong with you calling somebody and, and saying, you know what? I just want you to know I appreciate you. Especially the people that labor with you and, and have demonstrated their commitment and loyalty to you. What's wrong with you telling them I appreciate you? Young people, what's wrong with you telling your mom and dad I appreciate you? Do you know that the reason they do what they do is because of you? The reason some women stay in abusive relationships is for the sake of the children. The women, the reason some people deal with some of the things in life and don't take job opportunities that they could take and don't uh, uh, maximize things is because they're doing it for their children. To only have your children then look at you and be like, I didn't. And you're thinking, man, I didn't take that promotion. I didn't do all that because I was trying to keep you in the same school district. I was trying to. I was trying to keep you around your friends, and then you're going you gonna to roll your neck at me. I, I'll pop. I'll. 
obey all local, state, and federal laws. Young people, don't leave anything unsaid to your parents. You don't know, you don't know the time left on that. Because there's somebody that wishes they had a mother that would say who you on the phone with and where are you going and where are you at. They wish they had a father that said, oh, no, son, you ain't doing that. No, no, you ain't. No, you ain't. People that wish they had that. The fifth thing, the fifth thing. Y'all all right? Are you learning? Fifth thing. I wouldn't try to reason with fools. I wouldn't try to reason with fools. Uh, matter of fact, I did a whole series on it called Quit Acting Like a Fool. A fool, for those of you that are not sure, a fool is one who lives as if there is no God, which by definition means that you could be a Christian and still be a fool because you could know that there is a God but live as if there isn't one. You hear what I'm saying? It, 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 it's this interesting thing. And, 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 and Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I, I, there, there's so many times that I look back and I say, you know what? It's clear they didn't want to hear what I was saying. It's clear that they didn't want to heed wisdom. But I would sit there and think, well, maybe if I package it another way, that they'll get it. But somebody that's living as if there is no God. And you say, Bishop, how do you know that? Well, you can see how a person feels about God and how they treat their leader. It's a very biblical principle. Malachi chapter 1, the Lord says, if I be father over you, he says, then where is my honor? He said, well, you honored natural fathers and thus and so. He says, so where then is my honor? Then he goes into this entire explanation later on and he says, I'll tell you how you give me your honor. He said, where them tithes and them offerings at? I says, that's where my... His whole point. His whole point. His whole point is that the, the Bible says that conversations with fools should be avoided. Proverbs 26.4. Put it up real quick. I just want you to see it real quick. Just, they're going to put it up here. Proverbs 26.4. Proverbs 26.4. Here it is. That's Psalm 26.4. That's a good one too. There we go. Listen, don't answer a fool according to or in his folly unless you're going to become just like him. You ever been trying to get through to somebody and, and you go to crazy lengths to try to get the point across and then you end up looking at yourself and say, you acting more crazy, more crazy than them? Number six. Number six. I wouldn't make too big of a deal of betrayal. I wouldn't make too big of a deal in betrayal. I, I thought, and again, I want you to hear me. Th this is not from a, a, a cynical place. This is not from a place of hurt or harm. This, this is from a place of when I look back, there are things that I could have done differently that would perhaps would have saved me some unnecessary pain. See, there's already pain that's on the schedule of your life, stuff that's already scheduled. How do we know that? Jesus said, uh, you will have tribulation in this world, but take heart, I've, over, or I've already overcome the world. So what's the point? Jesus was saying, you're going to go through some things, and there's some pain that's on your calendar. What he was saying is, just don't add any. Just don't add any. And, 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 and the truth is, is, is that I thought that if I did right by people, that people would do right by me. I mean, doesn't that make sense? Because God is not mocked. What's over a man's souls, that's what they also reap. So you're like, well, if I'm sowing this into them, 
I'm going to reap it from them. But not understanding, sometimes you'll sow here, but you'll reap here. Sometimes you'll sow in person A, but you'll reap in person B. Oh, God, I wish I had a church. So the issue we have is that we keep looking to the place that we sow to be the place that we receive back from. In ministry, you often know the best of and the worst of the same person at the same time. And I thought that everybody would treat commitment like I did. See, listen, when I'm committed in any way, shape, form, or fact, I'm committed. Listen, I'll help you lie to them. Just tell me the truth. I'm joking. 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 But I'm serious. When I, anybody else like that? When you're committed, I mean, you're stone cold committed. I mean, you and, and see, I know many hands didn't go up right here because we live in a culture that's committed to non-commitment. That's why 50% of first marriages in the divorce, 67% of second marriages in the divorce, 73% of third marriages in the divorce. You know why? Because nobody wants to commit to anything anymore. Commit for what? I'll hit reset and I'll just do a do-over. And I'm not saying that sometimes you don't have to do that in life. What I'm saying is, is that we live in a culture that's committed to non-commitment. Listen, when you don't like somebody now, what do you do? Unfriend them. When somebody says something crazy to you now, you, you, know, you know what you do? You just unfollow them. You just block them. Nope. Oh, that's what she said? Huh. Oh, she must have been trying to talk about me. You, oh, y'all going to act like that? You know how y'all do. One of your people will post something that you will think they were trying to covertly and in a clandestine fashion talk about you and so you'll read it and then be like huh oh so they trying to talk about me oh okay mm-hmm. block And then when they say, what happened to you? What happened to you on, on Facebook? What happened to you on Twitter? What happened to you? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, y'all going to do it like that, huh? <laughs> can, can I tell you something, though, the truth about social media? Can, can I just really give you some, some, some real talk? Can I give you some real talk? Now, I know, I know it's the way the world works now. You know, people, you know, they, they meet their spouse on Facebook. They meet their barber on Facebook. They meet their cousin on Facebook. They meet their long-lost grandma name on Facebook. I understand that's the way the world works now. But can, can I just give you some real, some, 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 some real, some real thing? The, the, the whole motive and mantra of things like Facebook and social networks is to reconnect with old friends. My question is, what's so good about your yesterday Okay, all right, I'll leave it alone. I don't want to offend y'all. I know it's first Sunday, though. I'm trying to be good. Do that around the third Sunday, you know. You know what Facebook is? Lot's wife. Everybody that's supposed to be in your life now, you already had their phone number. Uh-huh. See, y'all don't want to hear that. I'm just. 
Some of y'all don't know who Lot's wife is, so let me just take a minute to shout you real quick. Lot's wife was a woman who looked back when God was bringing them out of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the Lord said, don't turn around and don't look back in the mess you came out of. See, some of the reasons some of y'all keep going through the same cycles is because you keep looking at your hell thinking something was good about your hell. You keep looking at your alcohol and your drugs thinking something was good about that. You keep looking at the days you were in a different man's bed and thinking something was good about that. But Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. He said, stop looking back. You sitting up, got your whole life posted on the internet. If I want to know where you at, I ain't got to sit in no private investigator. I just got to log in. All right. <laughs> anyway, the point I was making, I wouldn't make too big of a deal of betrayal <clears throat> and disappointment in people. That, that would really bother me. Because I, I think I like the movie Malcolm X because I, I, like, I like biographies. I like, I like to see the stories of people's life. I like to see how people made it. I like to see, I think that's the reason I like the movie, What's Love Got to Do With It? Because I like seeing Tina's life and how she went through that and how she, you know, and all that. I, I, I just like biographies. I like watching, uh, uh, um, what's that? I think CNBC where they have biographies of different successful people. I like studying the lives of other people because I've already told you, experience is not the greatest teacher. Somebody else's experience is the greatest teacher. So if I can learn from them by spending 45 minutes watching a TV show, <laughs> That's a good investment. But, but, um, but in the movie Malcolm X, uh, uh, Malcolm X, he said uh, he, he couldn't conceive or believe that, the, that a person he was so loyal to would in his face praise him, but behind his back crucify him. He couldn't understand that. He couldn't understand that. And so, uh, you know, I, as any other human being, I just really couldn't understand that. And the truth is, is when I look back, I made too big of a deal of it. I gave it too much thought. I gave it too much time. I gave it too much attention. I, I sometimes would have allowed, allowed it to become a distraction. To the point to where now you... You're looking at everybody and everything. Somebody say good morning. You're like, now what did they mean? Good morning. To the point to where when people say, try to say good things uh, to you and about you, you're like, I don't even want to hear it. Because I've seen people walk up to me, Bishop, you have changed my life. Oh, my God, I love you so much, Bishop. I got every CD. I got this. I got, I got your post on my wall. You know? I got, Bishop, I love you. Oh, my God, Bishop, it's so incredible. It's so incredible. It's so incredible. It's so incredible. And, and, and not that I would ever let it come to me. I always deflect because it's all God. Everything I do is all God. But, but you'd be like, man, that's really great. And then those same people, the very next day, you'd be like, Wow. And that's what we've really been dealing with. So then you say, well, what was your motive the whole time? Truth is, I made too big of a deal of it. I wouldn't have spent so much time on it. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have let it consume my thoughts. I wouldn't have let it, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have let it do all that. I wouldn't have let it do I spent too much time on it. You got it? You'll never be able to drive forward successfully if you're swatting at flies. You're missing the windshield because you're trying to swat a fly. Yeah. 
you'll wreck your car that way. You hear what I'm saying? Last thing, last thing, and I'm through. Have y'all learned anything? I hope you have. If you haven't, oh well. <laughs> I'm just joking. Kind of. Um, number seven, I'd listen closer. It's the last one. I'd listen closer. One of my favorite sayings is sometimes one of my most difficult principles to put into practice. One of my favorite sayings comes from Dr. Maya Angelou. Y'all know what I'm getting ready to say? She says this, when people show you who they are, believe them. And I'll preach that and I'll work that like a part-time job. But then when it comes into putting it into play, see, when you're a pastor, some of your top spiritual gifts are mercy. (laughs) Then a little bit more mercy. (laughs) Okay. And, of course, you understand mercy unrestrained is destructive. And uh, the truth is, is that when I look back over certain situations and, and certain interactions and things, I don't look back with anger or 11 or 10, anything like that. But when I look back, I said, you know what? Had I listened to them, they were telling me the whole time who they were. I just didn't listen. Watch this. Because I saw what they could be. So I convinced myself that they weren't who they were telling me they are because I saw who they could be. But until you are who I know you can be, then you are who you is. I know that's not good English, but do you follow what I'm saying? I was saying, listen, you're sitting up here telling me you're a liar, you're a backstabber, you, don't, you ain't faithful to nothing, you don't commit to nothing. And I'm sitting there saying, oh, but I, God, I. And then here comes, see, they all connect, because then here comes the rescue ranger. They just down on themselves, because they, they, you know, they, just, they just need somebody in your corner. All their life they had to fight. They didn't have a father that was in their corner. They didn't have a person that was in their corner. They didn't have anybody that believed in them. Sometimes. Can I give you uh, uh, some knowledge? Can, can, I, can I drop something like it's hot? Sometimes there's a reason nobody's in their corner. Sometimes there's a reason everybody's turned their back on them. It's real quiet in here. (laughs) I would listen more closely. If you let people talk, they'll tell you everything that you need to know. You know most people's problem is that they're better talkers than listeners. And you won't let people get in a word word edgewise. They're trying to tell you, I'm getting ready to ruin your life. They're trying to tell you that. No, they're trying to tell you that. No, they're trying to tell you that. They're like, I'm going to take you through it. They're trying to say that to you. But you just keep talking, wasn't it a beautiful day? Wasn't it a good message? It was such a good message. I mean, mean, didn't you learn so much? And they're trying to tell you, he was trying to warn you about me. And you just said, I've counseled literally hundreds of couples, probably thousands of couples over 16 years, and eh, probably hundreds, eh, close to thousands. A whole lot. <laughs> A bunch. 
That's, that's, that's country for a, a bunch. And one of the things that's so interesting to me about couples is a couple coming, Bishop, I did not know she was like this. And then I'll ask the other one, so what's going on? Man of God, I did not know he was like that. When we started and when we first got together, and I go through all that, and, and then, then, you know, 15 minutes into the session, I'd be like, so now tell me what you first said when y'all first met. Well, I had told her that. I told him that. I said, so what you chose to do was to ignore what they told you because they are always telling you who they are. I, I just hope I'm helping somebody. Maybe, maybe just one. I don't know. Maybe just one. Because some of you, 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 you you're, you're scared to have friends and, and that kind of thing. And that's because you, because you pick friends badly. But you pick friends badly because the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes lack is attracted to lack. And sometimes pain is attracted to pain. And so sometimes you seek out the people who got the same issue you have, thinking that you're going to help them with their issue and that thing, and they're going to help you with your issue. And so now you just got a bunch of cumulative issues going on. And the truth of the matter is, is that you hurt them, they hurt you, and now you're... I would listen closer. And to listen, that means you just got to talk less. But listen, when you're a man of God, this is what we do. We talk. And then when we ain't talking in front of a group of people, we on the phone talking. And we ain't on the phone talking, we talking to the email. And we ain't talking to the email, we're talking to the TV. You know, we're, we're doing all these things. You know, camera, you know. I would listen carefully. Judas showed Jesus who he was. But since Jesus was wise as a serpent, he said, I know you. He said, you didn't think I, I didn't, he said, you didn't think I caught that in the financial report last month, Judas? Judas was the treasurer, so he had been stealing. He carried the money box, the Bible says, which coincidentally, don't let anybody tell you that Jesus was broke. You don't need a treasurer if you don't, if you count pennies. And why are they throwing dice to, over your clothes if you're wearing rags? Just, just some, just some questions. Just, just some questions. He became, became mean he had to be something else first. Come on, can you count? Come on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I would listen, I would listen more carefully. I want to leave you with this. Uh, think about how you treat people that are a bridge for you. Think about uh, how you treat leaders in every sphere of life. Think about how you treat your pastor. If I'm not your pastor, whoever your pastor is. If I am your pastor, me. Uh, think about that. Thus far, the Lord has done it. And we thank you, Father, that you will continue to do so. Father, I pray now over every person in this campus and every person online. And I pray, Father, that you have spoken to them. Even out of the seven things I talked about that in one of these ways that they would see an opportunity to make changes in their own life. Life is about decisions, and decisions decide the future. Father, I pray that you would help them to make better decisions. Help us all to make better decisions. 
Bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in this place today, I know today's teaching totally different, totally different style, totally different approach today. But I don't want to assume today that if you're in this place or watching online that you know Jesus Christ. And today, if you're in this place and you do not know the Lord, he wants to know you. How can I sit back over seven years and think of all the heartache and the tears and the pain and the times where I said, God, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. God, how can I make it through that? It's only because thus far the Lord has helped me. And today, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm here to let you know he wants to know you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He's not trying to beat you up. He's not trying to throw you down. He wants to love you. And he wants you to be able to do just like I did. Look back and say, you know what? I didn't know better, better, so I couldn't do better. But now I know better, so now I can do better. And maybe, secondly, you're in this place and you've given your life to the Lord. You've not, you've not been serving him faithfully. You've fallen away from him. And today you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord. Come back to him. Maybe you're like the prodigal son or maybe you're like the prodigal daughter who fell away and started doing your own thing. But you quickly discovered your own thing didn't work. If that's you today, there's forgiveness for you. But Bishop, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I did. You don't know what I did. Can I tell you, I know what he did. And I know that what he did is far more powerful than anything you could ever do. And today, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if either one of those is you, you need to become a Christian for the first time and rededicate yourself to Jesus. On the count of three, wherever you're at, I want you to throw your hand up. One, two, three. If that's you, throw your hand up. <laughs> Hallelujah. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. I see you, daughter. I see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're celebrating you because that's what heaven's doing. That's what the angels in heaven are doing. They're celebrating you. And I want everybody in this place to lift their hands up. And I want everybody in this place to say this to me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess my sins before you. I thank you that I believe the Bible. 2,000 years ago, you came and died in my place. I thank you for loving me enough to die for me. You didn't just die to pay for my sin. You died so I could have abundant life. So much life. I'm bringing others back to life. I declare great things are ahead of me. If this is my first time praying this, I am a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. The greatest days of my life are still yet ahead of me. I said the greatest days of my life are still ahead of me. I can look back over my life and say thus far, the Lord has helped me. And I know, say it like you mean it, and I know that the Lord will continue to help me in Jesus' name. Would you just give God the biggest praise you can? I said, would you give him the biggest praise you can? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do me a favor. As you take your seats, we're going to see what's happening at your campus. But hug two or three people around you as you take your seats and just tell them the Lord has been helping you. Tell them the Lord has been helping you. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. 
They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.